Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports. We have a great episode coming at you in a few, but first we have to tell you about all of the places you can find us. BleacherBrawls.com is the home for our Yankees and Red Sox columns, football, basketball, soccer content, as well as movie reviews, quizzes, and plenty of trash talk. Our YouTube channel has a few videos a week with picks, predictions, our prospect pipeline series, and more. Our main social media hub is Twitter, at Bleacher Brawl, where you can give us any feedback, ask us any questions, follow us to be the first to hear about our latest content. This podcast is available on your listening app of choice, and when you finish listening to today's super exciting episode, you'll want to drop us a five-star review. Let's get on with the show. And we're back. <laughs> Welcome to Bleacher Brawls. It's me, Barnes. I'm joining the Monday morning guys. I'm filling in for old man Pat. You know, I think he's, I, I think someone's visiting him. I don't know. It's weird visiting hours at the retirement center today. So, hey, his grandson's in town. I'm here. I'm filling in. I'm with John, Luke, and Derek. I'm happy to be here. That's my first pitch. So, guys, thanks for having me. Um how we doing? R- quick around the horn. How we doing, fellas? Uh, we'll start with Derek because I always feel like he goes last. So, Derek, you're going first. I'm uh, I'm doing great. Today's been a good day. Um, I've watched sports since three in the morning, and I've been up all day. Um, Red Bull just dominated in Formula One. Liverpool beat Man United seven to nothing. Um, so I, I I'm having a good day. That that's all I can say. Um. Red Sox won in spring training. Everything's going good. I think the Red Sox are undefeated in spring training. They are. Look out, American League East. Yeah. Old man Pat was bragging about, you know, on his Twitter, passive-aggressively bragging about it. He's like, you know, the Red Sox haven't lost in 2023. I was like, get shut the hell up. Like, get off your high horse. You know, you know what they are. You know what they are. Luke, how you been? I've been great, and right now what I'm feeling is grateful. I'm grateful that John got to take his little vacation to the midweek show in his safe space uh, with his Yankee fans that won't bully him, that won't bully him and beat up on him. Like I did Red not Sox say that. It's him. about talking over Money people. Money. How do you like being talked over right now, Luke? Oh, <laughs> I can't believe you said that. Can you? I, oh, oh, oh. No, go ahead. No, it's your turn. Go ahead talk. That's a pretty good impression. Oh my God! Here he goes again. <laughs> now do Pat. <laughs> oh, um, all, right, but... all right, guys. All right, guys. Enough. We're moving on. But Luke, finish your point. <laughs> the the well the the midweek show had a hell of a time. Um, basically, it was a it was a bash Luke fest, uh, which is great. Um, I I was happy to hear it. Uh, it's very entertaining stuff. Um, I, I just, I, I'm so amazed that three, any three people in the world are so, are so upended at the idea of a guy like Kike Hernandez being the leader of the Red Sox. First of all, it's a, it's, it's official. He, he crapped on the outgoing leadership, um, like a week ago. So he's already put himself in that spot. And when you're talking about a guy who was signed for cheap money to be a utility player, 
um, got thrown in center field early in the season, kicked ass enough that he could, he became the, not only the starting center fielder, everyday center fielder, but one of the best center fielders in the league is a big reason why the 2021 Red Sox make the playoffs. And then when the playoffs start has the best playoff run that, uh, one of the best playoff runs we've seen in like 30 years. Um, and, and then, uh, now, this year with the shortstop hurt, he's going to move from center field to shortstop. Uh, the other hardest position on the field, defensive position on the field, other than catcher. Um, so, and a guy who's been to the postseason seven out of his 10 years in the league, who's been to a couple world series, one, a fake world series, but that's more than most people can say. And I, I'm, and a guy who's always had a great reputation as a good clubhouse guy, a good leader kind of guy. I I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm so flummoxed as to why three people could could be so could be uh, so knocked off kilter by the idea that this guy can be the leader of a team full of really young players and transplants that haven't been in the Red Sox organization long. And I'm really hung up on John's obsession with how Kike Hernandez is, I, I guess, has to be Raphael Devers' personal trainer and nutritionist. Because John has mentioned on two consecutive shows now that how is Kike Hernandez? <laughs> oh my God! Raphael Devers. Oh my God! I did not. I mentioned on one show. Well. I didn't get to talk on the other show because of this. Oh, can you believe this guy? I know. I'm bullying you. I'm sorry. I'm bullying you. So, but my question is, I have a question for John for his first pitch. So. Kiki Hernandez doesn't have the cash in the clubhouse to go up to Rafael Devers and tell him he's got to start start eating better. What was Derek Jeter doing all those years he was playing with David Wells and C Cup Sabathia, uh, Cecil Fielder? What? Why wasn't he going to those well, guys those and telling pitchers, them you got to stop eating two cheeseburgers and five craft beers for dinner every night? Have you a don't need to be in great shape to be a pitcher. Bartolo Colon pitched for 20 years in the major leagues being out of shape. And Cecil Fielder, Derek Jeter wasn't the leader in 1996. So I, that has nothing to do with Cecil Fielder. What I am saying, and I think there is a misunderstanding. I'm not saying that Kike Hernandez can't be a leader. He just can't be a leader on his playoff team. If he's your leader, that's a problem because there's not a lot of other good players on the team is what my point is. All right, and to say he is the best postseason run in the past 20 years means that you hate David Ortiz for everything he did in 2013. And I mean, how, and again, you're going to point to 2021, say, oh, 2021, they made the playoffs, they had a good run. How many guys are even left from that team? How many starters, how many contributors from 2021 are even still there? Heim Bloom gutted that team. Exactly. Exactly my point. So, okay, there you go. So he doesn't even have the cash for that because those guys weren't around. So what do they care? They just see a mediocre guy. Because he's one of the few people that was there and is still there. And they're not going to care because they weren't there. The point is, he's not a great player. So, yeah, maybe he can be a leader, but it's not. they're not going to be winning 87 games if Kike Hernandez is your leader. And, yes, Devers is going to get fat, and someone's going to need to stay on him for that. I don't know. Do you think that's what that's what uh, locker room leaders do, or do they just try and keep a positive atmosphere in the clubhouse and keep players loose? Like, I think you, you need your best players to be the clubhouse leaders because they're the ones that can set the example. And I, again, to my point, to my point about all of this that you keep avoiding, if this were the Yankees getting some utility player from a fake championship year who had a good run in the playoffs where they lost to the ALCS. Derek and Barnes both know you'd be the first guy to be like, 
The, the Yankees aren't going to listen to this guy. This guy can't be the leader of the Yankees. Oh, some utility player that won a championship on another team? Aaron Judge isn't going to listen to him. And that's been my whole point is that – and I, Derek and Barnes are both nodding their heads because they both know that that would be exactly your response. So now that's why you lost all your integrity in the matter because you have two sets of rules for two different teams. I never would have said and that. I remember like, speaking – All right, all right, all right. I remember right. Jim Layard saying he wanted to be the leader of the clubhouse. He's like, well, I got leadership ability now that Mattingly's gone. And he got mocked by the media. So like, this guy, like, okay, fine. But and he did hit some clutch home runs for the Yankees, but it's like you're not the you're not the best player, not one of the best players. You're not going to be the leader. So yes, fine, he can be the leader, but they're not winning 87 games if he's the leader. Justin Turner was the leader of the Dodgers. How many years was he their best player? I don't I don't care about the Dodgers. They won a fake World Series. They don't <laughs> exist in my world. But still, uh, team leader on a really good team. Now, <laughs> now what the listeners can't see, and maybe you can tune in eventually. And we'll post a video clip is while John was saying that Luke would immediately hound the Yankees if they were to pull this off is the big poop eating grin Luke had on his face while John was speaking, because even he knows that he would have done. Yeah, don't shake your head. The more truthful answer is. We don't know what you would have said. We don't know, but I know what I would have said, but that being said. You totally would have said it. Anyway, <laughs> John, now we're getting this crap out of the way. What's your actual first pitch? How you doing, buddy? You know, we, we had a great conversation on the midweek show, and I'm back. I'm back to play. What's happening, buddy? I mean, that is my first pitch because most of my life does revolve around arguing the Yankees, Red Sox, with Luke. So there's not much else going on in my life. You know, it's great to be back on with you, Barnes, and uh, doing good, you know, uh, like, you know, as everyone knows, some of the listeners know, I had a baby. My wife had a baby recently. So, uh, you know, father of three is taking up a lot of time. So it's nice to just be able to come hang out and talk Yankees Red Sox. Babies tend to get pretty pudgy. Is Does John really expect that? Is If he's really the leader of his household, then he will get that baby to figure out how to way to, a way to drop all that baby fat quickly. You, I, you met my kid last week. You should see his abs already. <laughs> Listen, I I have a feeling that with the proper leadership from being a Yankees fan and Aaron Judge, that baby's going to be in shape. He's going to be ready to go. He's going to be an MVP candidate very soon. So I, for me, uh, besides spring training, NFL combine just happened. And, you know, I'm, you know, there's a, it's the closest thing that you can get in the middle of February or March now. And, end of February, early March, you're like, oh man, NFL combine, you know, you're coming off the Super Bowl high, like what's next? Because the NFL draft is coming in up in April. And uh, it got me kind of thinking real quick. I was like, who's a player that went out for the NFL instead of baseball that you wish you could have seen play baseball? So, you know, take a second. I know Derek's chomping at the bit. He's like, oh, I know like 20 other guys that are probably like Justin Masterson level, but Derek, take it away. Oh, I I have one, Kyler Murray, like off the top of my head, and the reason why is because Kyler had a big jump from his like from his second to last year playing baseball in college to his last year in col- of playing baseball in college. He had a big jump in production, and if and he was solid in center field, had great speed. You need kind of take that to the baseball field. I mean, was he probably worth the ninth pick from the A's? Maybe not. 
But, I mean, you could have argued, you definitely could have argued he could have been a first-round pick easily, right? And I think you kind of stay, start looking at that talent and, you know, good for him. He's gone to the NFL. He's made a lot more money than what he would have made in baseball, which is fair. But I think also, can I also bring up Pat Connaughton because he went and played basketball instead of playing baseball? So I'll also bring him up too. I, Derek, I was thinking Kyler Murray popped in my head right away as well, but for different reasons. One, because you can play a ton of video games and still be really successful at baseball. You cannot play a ton of video games and be a really successful quarterback. And two, if he did play baseball, he would have had to leave Oklahoma for the last year, and nobody likes Oklahoma. So uh, I, Kyler Murray was the other one that popped in my head. I like Oklahoma. I'm a big Sooners guy. Oh, hook them horns. Oh, get, the, get that crap out of here. You can hook your horns where the sun don't shine, baby. Boomer Sooner. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to have something to talk about in college football season here at Bleacher Brawls. Oh, if, hell yeah. If I have one more name that I'm saving in case anyone else doesn't say it either. Um, I'll, I'll say Randy Moss because he was a nasty center fielder in a high school. And uh, he was – he – he didn't, he actually, there was, he, so he was really, he would play center field. Supposedly he would smoke a blunt under the bleachers with his friend before every game and go out and be super stone, just running around snagging fly balls in center field, which is just imagine how good he could have been if he was going out there, you know, totally clear headed. Um, and, but he was still really, really good. And he actually lost, he, it was some championship. I think the, a champ, the league championship game, uh, in, uh, in high school, he, he went out there to play, he showed up at the field and some guy from, um, like the athletic director or something from the other school they were playing showed up to inform him that he took a, I think he took money from some, from somebody that he shouldn't, he lost his eligibility right before the championship game. Uh, he probably didn't care because he'd probably just smoked a blunt under the bleachers. Um, but uh, still, I think Randy Moss was playing in the major leagues. He would have gotten a whole lot of trouble. Who knows how long his career would have been? But I think he could have been. He could have probably stolen ninety-five bases a year and make some serious web gems. It, it gets me thinking, like man, like we think Ricky Henderson, you know, all the stolen bases. Like, could Randy Moss have done it? Could he have broken that record? I feel like he had he's like the only person on the face of the earth who could have yeah he yeah he could have done it and he would have just been he, he'd fit in perfectly now in baseball when they're trying to get more personality into the game and you know <laughs> you don't get the ball thrown at your face if you like pimp a home run so he could have had a lot of fun in this age of baseball where they're trying to get more younger audiences in uh Derek who is your last guy Tom Brady Tom Brady, yeah. I mean, just that's to see what would happen Monch, as a catcher, after him as catcher, just to see like how good he could he have actually been in baseball had he decided to go that route. Uh, as a Patriots fan, I wouldn't like it, but you know, but just for like a, a sports fan and seeing like what he could potentially do in baseball, I think that would be very interesting. Yeah. Six foot four, skinny catcher. I, I don't see it. You can put on some muscle. Move him <laughs> to first base if you need it. My my uh Brady my guy was definitely would have done steroids. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's <laughs> my guy was Jameis Winston. Uh, oh, he was a guy in college yes. baseball who was he was a reliever and 
you know, he had like a 97 mile an hour fastball and over his uh, college career, he had a 194 ERA, you know, obviously we've seen what he wow. does in the NFL. He yeah. just, he just slings the rock. Like in the NFL, you're like, Oh, he's completely capable of throwing for 5,000 yards. Like he did that one year. It's like, how many strikeouts could he have could he have had if he, as a relief pitcher like you know just th- just throwing complete gas and you know I, so it's just something to think about you know he, but anyway he's still in the NFL is he the backup for the Saints right now yeah he was this past year he started the year so started and got injured and to appeal to our New York fan base I just would like to say speaking for Jets fans I'm sure they would have loved to have seen Zach Wilson chose baseball. <laughs> should have should have picked baseball young zach but probably shouldn't have gone to byu either speaking of yeah byu beautiful campus beautiful campus but um moving on kind of speaking about pitchers is first question which starting pitcher for your team do you think is going to disappoint the most in 2023 all right, so which pitcher on the Red Sox for Luke and Derek? Which pitcher on the Yankees for John and myself do you think is going to disappoint the most this year? I'll start with Luke. Uh, I'm saying Corey Kluber. Uh, 164 innings pitched last year, um, but before then, he hadn't pitched over 80 innings in a season since 2018. He used to be an innings, 200 innings a year kind of guy up until then, uh, but he's 37 years old now. Uh, I feel like he's over the hill as a starting pitcher. I think if he has a, a serious future left, a, another couple of years left in the league, it'll be as a relief pitcher. And I would love to see the Red Sox use him as that if they have five other guys out of the 13 starting pitchers they have on the roster, you know, that are dependable and are looking good and can stay healthy. Um, so I, so I, I don't expect much out of Corey Kluber, but I read from, it was from Twitter. So who knows how accurate, but somebody who knows a guy who knows a guy who was at the spring training game yesterday, or maybe today when he pitched that said he was hitting 95 on the radar gun, which he hasn't hit since like 2015. I don't think so. Uh, I don't know how. I don't, I'm not, I'm taking that with a grain of salt, but I'm just not expecting much out of Kluber this year. I kind of hope they experiment with him in the bullpen. Derek, what about you? To me, it's got to be Pavetta just because my expectations for the rotation, I feel I have expectations for the rotation as a whole, but not necessarily individually in the sense. I don't think Sale's going to necessarily, you know, I'm not expecting Sale to give 25 starts and have a sub three ERA. I'm not expecting Paxton or even Whitlock or Bayo to be stellar, right? I feel like Pavetta, the expectation is for him to be a solid rotation arm who's going to eat innings. And I feel like he's the one guy where I can look at and go, he might not meet my expectation because my expectations for individually for the starters are not super high, especially when it comes to the amount of innings they're going to pitch. But when it comes to the group as a whole, I do have, you know, somewhat high expectations. But I kind of back that more as a group thing of not just one to five but one through all the way through the depth they have in AAA because they're not only going to have five. Like there's already rumors of Bayo, Whitlock, and Paxton missing the start of the regular season, right? So you might get a little deeper into that rotation. So as a so I think if we're just picking one guy, I kind of get a lean Pavetta. So let's kick it over to John. Which starting pitcher for the Yankees are you like, dude, this guy's probably going to let us down? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I do think the Yankees have a pretty solid staff, so I'm not necessarily expecting anyone to have a bad season. But if we're looking at disappoint in the sense where they're not going to live up to expectations, I see a couple potential candidates. I think Cole's going to have a, a cool season. I think Severino's got a pretty good season because he's in a contract year and he needs to have a good season. So for me, um, I think it's it could potentially be um, – I think it could potentially be Nestor. I don't think Nestor's going to have a bad season. But I think if he doesn't come out and have, like, a really, really good season, which I think a lot of Yankee fans are expecting from him, um, I think that could be, like, that disappoint kind of – he could fall into that disappoint category. Like, if he misses some time with arm fatigue, um, I think a lot of people kind of view him as, like, almost an ace. I think he's really good, but I don't think he would be in, in the Yankees' ace. So, when you have people talking about this guy saying, well, like, he could be – all right. And he did have time stretches where he was better than Cole last year. Don't get me wrong. But I think if people are expecting Nestor to pitch at like an ace level, ace level for the entire season, I think they'd be disappointed because I don't think that's realistic. Go ahead, Luke. I know you want to poop on John real quick. No, no. I'm saying if you're going to be an ace, you need to have, I feel like, and this is probably where I went wrong with jumping on the Pavetta uh, wagon last year is what you have to have something overpowering uh, in your arsenal. Like there's so few people like Greg Maddox and like Andy Pettit. Um, like uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else really don't. It's like any, just about any ACE you find throws 98 um, and has one other really good pitch. And it's like Cortez, like, I feel like Cortez is like the smoke and mirrors guy or he's crafty. He's left he's a, the crafty lefty type who will, you know, who will, you know, has really good location and will out Fox you for a little while. But I feel, I feel like he's just, I watch him pitch and it, and it confuses me like the last couple of years of CC Sabathia, C cup Sabathia's career. Like how is this guy getting all these people out when he doesn't really have anything that overpowering? I feel like, when you're just like spotting your pitches and going in and out of the zone or whatever, I just feel like with the amount of tape available these days, people are going to figure, figure you it out and that's only going to last so long. So that's what I feel like is going to happen with Nestor. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the, the same exact camp as John here. I, I as a Yankee fan, I think if there's going to be a guy on the Yankees who could disappoint it, it's most likely going to be Nestor. Uh, I'm just going to touch on that real quick and then I'll give you another name because that's kind of boring if we just really deep dive on Nestor is Nestor. It, last year was the first year he ever like really had a serious load of innings. You know, he had 158 innings and 158 and a third innings last year. It was the first time in his career he's ever been triple digits, you know, and that's uh, what 65 more innings than he had in 21. You know, and they still had to shut him down for part of the season. You know, he's got smoke and mirrors, like Luke was saying. You know, he's relying on a lot of, hey, you need to adjust to me. Then the league made the adjustment to him. Then the Yankees shut him down for like two, however long. And then he came back and he was fine. And it's, you know, if you're not a power pitcher and you can just blow people away with something, you're not really going to dominate, like Luke was saying. Um, but I think a, a guy who could disappoint, like John was saying, that not living up to expectations, you know, I think immediately is Carlos Rodon. You know, 
he comes in, everyone's like, oh man, you know, 2022 for the Giants, you know, had under three ERA. He had 14 wins on that crappy Giants team. You know, he he uh, had 31 games played, which is the most of his career. You know, maybe he is turning it around for his health. You know, I do expect him to maybe miss a little bit of time, you know, most of the time when he was on the White Sox, you know, 2015, 26 games, 2016, uh, 28 games, 2017, 12, 18, he had 20 games, you know, uh, 2021, 24 games, you know, obviously uh, 20 was that short season, but 2019, he only had seven games, you know, maybe he has turned it around health wise, maybe he will stay healthy and he'll stay relevant, maybe he will pitch in the mid 20s, maybe 30 games. We don't really know. I think when you're looking at numbers, especially this year, we are, I'm expecting an uptick in offense, you know, with the banning of the shift, you know, I am expecting a little bit of an uptick in offense. So I have a feeling you might see that ERA shoot up. So he won't live up to the expectation Yankee fans have of him, he have of him, but it's, it's really hard to just say that he's going to be a complete bum. I really do. You know, I, I think they brought him in to to do a job to be number two. So it, it's it's tough. I think the Yankees have a really good rotation. It's hard to say any one person is going to really disappoint. <laughs> you know, so it's tough. It's tough. There's no way he'll be a complete bum. The only way he's a complete bum is if he gets hurt and doesn't play much. And Pulls he's already sale. gotten. Yeah, he's and he's already gotten paid. So, I mean, maybe it depends on what kind of guy he is. But the Yankees have. So they have Redon, who just cashed in on a contract year. And then John mentioned Severino, who he expects to have a good year because he's in a contract year. And I agree. I think Severino will probably be really good this year. Those contract year guys, and yeah, I'll throw Aaron Judge into this. These, these guys who hit their contract year and all of a sudden have an amazing year. I'm not saying Redon pitched above his weight class last year because we all knew he was a good pitcher before then, but – that bothers me. Like you got guys who are even good players. They hit the next level on their contract year. And the first thing I always think about that is like, where was this before? Like, you're not, what were you doing the first five years of your career? Like what you could do, you could hit 62 home runs. Why, why'd you wait until the year before you got paid to, to, to show us to really try as hard as you possibly could. And sure. There's more to it than that. It's I'm sure it's just total coincidence that he all of a sudden had a had an all, all legendary historic year when it was his contract happened to be his contract year. But that's always the thing that bothers me about about players like that. If you could do this well in your contract year, what were you doing the first few years? What about those guys that have going to contract years and have horrible years? Like I think Michael Conforto was a recent one where people thought he was going to get paid and then they just bomb. It's just a total mental thing. It either locks you in where you're focused every day. Like I'm going to show them and that's your daily motivation or it just, it becomes mentally like crippling, I guess, where it's like, you just start thinking about it too much. As soon as you struggle, it just snowballs. Like Xander Bogarts last year. What was that? Yeah. Those Bogarts last year just couldn't oh, yeah, handle there it. There you go. Yeah, it's like that's what they say. Like half of baseball is ninety percent mental. The Yogi Berra line. I think Barnes or somebody said that on one on the midweek show or last me. week show. <laughs> yeah, it was me. Yogi Berra, Yankee great. He said uh, some something questionable where the math doesn't really add up, but whatever, whatever. He he's got enough rings for all his fingers. So 
everyone else everyone else can go to hell. Uh, Double Thanos. Can I just say that there's a legitimate chance like Garrett Cole could be the Yankees pitcher who disappoints the most, not necessarily because he pitches bad, but because of how good Rodon could pitch. Like that's also a possibility. That like, doesn't if, make him disappointing if another pitcher yes, pitches so no, good. No, because no, because I'll put it in this way: Garrett Cole's supposed to be your ace, right? And if he goes up and puts up, you know, what he did last year, which he had his rough spots, right? Yeah, he was good for the majority of the year, but he had his rough rough spots. And Rodon goes out there and is just stellar. And I make the argument looking at the two seasons in 2022, I'd say Rodon had the better year, and I'd say that pretty easily. Um, no disrespect to Garrett Cole. I still think he had a really good year, really good year last year. So could it be like a Garrett Cole saying he's kind of disappoints in a sense of he's not he wasn't kind of the ace because Rodon was Rodon was the ace almost in a sense in terms of performance. Now I'm not saying Garrett Cole would nec- that doesn't mean Garrett Cole would have a bad year. I just mean it's that kind of sense. That could be a possibility. If so, that's a Pedro Schilling situation and nobody is unhappy. <laughs> I think that this is gonna be a good topic. Uh, or like we can really deep dive into this later in the show when we do a little inside the numbers conversation. Cause Derek, I think you hit the nail on the head and I don't think you're wrong at all, but let's really op- expand upon this later in the show. Um, you know, let's stay on, let's stay on track. Let's, let's talk bullpen rolls. Let's, let's try to blast through this real quick is if you could build your team's bullpen rolls as you see them right now, like how you would want them Right now, like first glance at spring training, you're going into 2023. You're like in your head, you're already, you know, you're the couch coach. You're like, oh, this guy's going to pitch the sixth inning, seventh, eighth, ninth guys. Like just, you know, I envision it as try to pick one name for each inning, assuming your starting pitcher goes just five. Obviously, we're not we're not going to assume that they go eight like Sandy Alcantara because no one has him on their team. But let's just assume your starter goes five. Give me a six, a seven, eight, and a nine guy. Uh, John, let's start with you. Let's start on the Yank side. All right. So six is going Marinaccio. I We love the Jersey boy, so let's root for him to take over the sixth inning. Seventh inning, I guess as of today is today, Michael King, though that can change as the season goes on. Wani Peralta becomes your eighth inning guy because Wani Peralta kind of earned it. Like maybe King's better suited for the eighth inning, but Peralta earned eighth inning at the end of last season. Clay Holmes is your closer, uh, even though he did struggle at times towards the end of the season. And this is all up for debate, any all up in the air and things can change. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael King finishes the season as your closer. I think he's got it in him. And if Holmes struggles, like he kind of did at the end of last season, I would go to King in that. Uh, as a closer role instead of Peralta. And just real quick for the Red Sox, I think we need to go like fourth, fifth, and sixth inning because I don't think their starting pitchers are going to be really going that deep into games. <laughs> so, hey, Red Sox guys, I'll let you fire back right now uh, just to retaliate against John a little bit. Is uh, And Luke, you know what? I'll let you go first, you know, right after your buddy John. Um, give me your Red Sox bullpen. So based on what I just said about the starting pitcher situation, what I wanted, what I would love to see is Corey Kluber as the sixth inning guy, uh, Chris Martin in the seventh, uh, Vita La- Viva La Vida. Um, and then you got Chuck Norris Jr., John Schreiber uh, in the eighth, unless there's two lefties do up and that could be Dick Blyer. And as your closer, you got obviously uh, Kenley Jansen. Derek, Go ahead. Okay. When I, I, I do bullpen, I got to go from nine back to because I don't know that's how I do my bullpens when I'm looking at them. Uh, so ninth inning, you got Kenley Jansen. 
Um, my seventh, seventh and eighth inning are interchangeable for me. Um, so you have a mix of Chris Martin and John Schreiber. They're to me, they're interchangeable. Um, just that's how I feel. Um, with the seventh and eighth inning. Um, and then the sixth inning ideal situation would be Tanner Hout. Um, and you can also use him in two innings if you need. Um, out of relief. Uh, however, though, if we're kind of considering the start of the season, it looks like he might have to end up in the rotation. Um, I've said it before. I love the upside of Joely Rodriguez, although the the floor is very low. Um, so I mean, for start of the year, I mean, roll with the upside. It's and see what happens. Worst case scenario, a couple weeks go by, he struggles, and then you take him out of that role, and then hopefully by then everyone's healthy too. Yeah, I didn't have Hauk in the mix because I want to see Hauk start and Kluber actually uh, taking his spot in the bullpen. Kluber's not going to the bullpen, though. And do you really think Kluber would accept pitching sick? It'd be like the sixth inning guy? Like, I can't imagine that. I mean, he well, probably he doesn't get to pick. himself He's... as a closer. But you have Jansen, which understandably, but Kluber, I'm sure, would think of himself as a closer and probably wouldn't accept anything less than an eighth inning role if he even went that far. I don't know why when he's throwing like 92, he doesn't have closer stuff. He's, I mean, he's, his, his first start, he's throwing like 86, 87. Yeah. Nice. So like best case scenario, he's throwing like, he can't be, a, and he's, he's not that two time Cy Young award winning Corey Kluber anymore. He's a guy trying to stay in the show. He's Dave justice and Moneyball. Like, you know, he'll do what he's told and he'll like it. I, I just saw Corey Kluber like flame out with the Yankees a couple of years ago. I'm well aware of the fact that he's not a Cy Young guy anymore. I just I, I think it's an ego thing. Like he was a Cy Young guy. He's so he's like you expect me to pitch in the sixth inning now? And I I just think I, it's not even just we're knocking the Red Sox. If you're on the Yankees and they said hey maybe Corey Kluber would pitch a sixth inning. It's like, this guy's probably not going to go for that. Remember, John, I don't know if you'll admit this, but remember when Corey Kluber threw that no hitter? I told you right after that. I think I texted you like, so this is the last time Kluber will pitch for the Yankees this year. And I'm pretty sure he came out of his next start in like the second inning and never pitched for the Yankees again. And just for anybody listening, yes, that's true. I mean, you'd expect if a Yankee pitches a no hitter, you expect nothing else from that text message from Luke. And yes, he was a hundred. Yes, he did say that. He predicted it. You were right, as always. As yeah, Luke is always. John said that too. That wasn't me. John said as always. (laughs) Yeah, as always, as always, Luke is always right until he's wrong. I also agree. I'm with John. You know, if you had to ask me today, as of this moment, I had to give you one name per inning. I'm going six inning Ron Marinaccio. I think he's great. I actually wrote about him in a Bleacher Brawls article. I think he has potential eventually to one day possibly be a Yankees closer. I really like his stuff. I think he can be great. He's just got to earn his stripes. Uh, seventh inning, I'm going Jonathan Loizaga. I think when he's good, he's great. You know, I think we just want to see a little bit more consistency. Seventh inning, I think, would be great for him. Number eight, or eighth inning, I want to put in the fire extinguisher, you know, just to help prevent anything before it gets too messy. I want to put Michael King in there. I think he's got great stuff. I love him. I think he should be the Yankees closer, but I think he'll go back to his old role. Eighth inning, setup guy. Ninth inning, I want Wandy Peralta. He had a 20-second strikeout the other day. I like he's just going to wipe the floor with dudes, you know, and I think, you know, coming off of that question real quick is what do you think will be the fastest strikeout in 2023 real quick? Any quick guesses? 
Sale will get somebody. Sale will get somebody in fifteen. No, it'll be something wacky where like, like the batter, the first strike is like an automatic strike call because he didn't get in the box. A real strikeout. A three, he means a three pitch strikeout. There, it's, it goes down as a strikeout in the scorebook. It's the same thing. You, all right, a three pitch. What's okay. going to be the fastest hit? Three pitch minimum strikeout. It's not going. It's not, I don't think. I don't know if you can get any faster than twenty seconds. Honestly, I don't know if it'll be faster than twenty seconds. I'm not going to give it time. But my prediction is, if anyone does it, it's going to be Max Scherzer. Oh, that's that's not bad. Max Scherzer's a pretty. He good He got one. called for a, a violation the other day. I saw. I couldn't believe it. That's pretty uh, wild. Account like a, for a violation for taking too long. A ball. Yeah. Oh wow! I would have expected it from him. He seems to be loving the pitch clock. Just up Rich Hill got called for pitch. one too, and he was pissed off. He was He's pissed old. off when Kevin Ploiecki got got DFA'd. Barnes, yeah, did yeah. you not have Clay Holmes anywhere in your sixth, seventh, I, eighth, or ninth? I did not. I did not have Clay Holmes in my sixth through nine. Uh, to be honest with you, I was never really a big Clay Holmes guy. Uh, if you listen to podcasts from last year. I said it, you know, Clay Holmes is punching above his weight class. If you look at his stats prior to coming to the Yankees, he was just a regular guy who I think they struck lightning in a bottle where the Yankees are, I think that the Yankees as of recent over the last maybe decade, they always find these guys and like, oh man, like if we can just get everything to roll our way, he'll be great. And that was Clay Holmes, you know, and then he came to life. You know, as Luke says, the Red Sox broke him. Damn it. I was going to wait till you were done talking, and then I was going to say. I'm stealing your thunder because I'm breaking you, fool. Is, you know, whether you look at that game or not, he just wasn't the same. You know, there's a lot of pitchers who have that one game where they just get broken. But I literally think that they, that the Red Sox were the first team that, like, figured out his game. And that's it. It's just like what, what happened with the rest of the league with Nestor Cortez. It's what I was saying earlier. I don't think that Clay Holmes has very dominant stuff. I really don't. It's all like advanced metrics, you know, give me like, oh, like, well, this, the, we did all these analytics and it says that he should be good. It, he's not. He's not. Let's be real. It does happen. George Springer personally broke two Red Sox relief pitchers in two years. He broke Matt Barnes and then he broke Jake Diekman the next year. Jake yeah. Diekman was... Well, it's yeah, terrible. he was wounded, and the yeah. Springer put the the two in his temple to finish him off. Oof. Yeah, the uh, never watch Jake Diekman throw in the bullpen. Never do it. Trust me, don't do it. Look at what George Springer did to Matt Barnes, and now he's just a nut. Uh, <laughs> moving on, we've got the call your shot segment. Um, this one is for John. Uh, obviously, Red Sox guys, you can weigh in, and then I'll have one for the Red Sox guys, and John can obviously weigh in. Is over the course of 2023, who will really be the ace for the Yankees? You know, we were actually kind of just talking about it um, during the starting pitcher segment earlier. But over the course, you know, the Yankees have Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon. You even said it yourself. But people view Nestor as an ace. Who's really going to be the ace of this Yankees team over the course of the year? I think it's going to be Cole. I think he's going to pitch a full season and probably throw 200 innings. Uh, he's going to probably lead the league in strikeouts and he's going to be the Yankees best, best pitcher. He's going to give you the most innings. He's going to take the ball every five days and he's going to give you a chance to pretty much every game he pitches. And uh, 
So to me, that's my definition of an ace. And I think Cole's going to match it again this season. Uh, Do either of the Red Sox guys disagree with that? Yeah. I'll say Carlos Rodon. Luke? I'm going to say Luis Severino. (laughs) I'm also going to – I think Eric Cole will wind up being the ace for the Yankees. Uh, You know, I think he just – he gets it, you know – I'm expecting a big change for Rodon. Not a, you know, he's he's joining a new pitching staff, new pitching coach. They're gonna try and figure. They're probably gonna mess with him just a little bit because that always happens. Pitching coaches already know Garrett Cole. They're gonna kind of let him just do his thing. So that's where I'm at with that. Uh, moving over to the Red Sox guys, call your shot. Who will be the best offensive producer for the Red Sox in 2023 after Devers? Assuming Devers is the is the guy on offense. Who's going to be the Red Sox number two? Uh, Derek, I'll start with you. Um, this one's 50-50 for me. I'm not going to lie. Just, um, get, just pick one. I'm going Alex mine, I'm going to be pissed. But personal bias, but also two, I think, I think there's a good chance he might end up being the leadoff hitter. And if he ends up being the leadoff hitter with him and Devers 1-2 in the order, I think that's going to be massive. Because um, I think he can hit 300 with, 40 plus doubles. I mean, he had 39 doubles last year and played two months with a broken toe. So there's no reason he can't hit 40 plus doubles and hit over 300. Derek clearly read my column from uh, last uh, that went up last no, I didn't. Uh, Tuesday. Oh, y- yes, you did. Don't lie. No, I didn't. Because um, I was the first person to say that. I said it months ago. Verdugo could be the leadoff hitter. Um, but uh, I'm actually saying Adam Duvall. Um, I think Fenway will be really good to him. He's, I think he's that kind of hitter who can really make use of, uh, the left field wall. Um, and, uh, look, he had like an MVP like kind of season in 2021, 38 home runs led the national league with 113 RBIs. His wrist is healed now. I mean, last year, he, he broke his wrist halfway through the season. He wasn't having that great a year leading up to that either, but I just feel like in Fenway Park, he can really, um, you know, he can really succeed there. And with Story out indefinitely, I mean, Duval's going to be dependent on as being that right-handed threat because all their good hitters are left-handed except Kike Hernandez. Um, so, um, you know, uh, right-handed power hitters tend to do pretty well in Boston. Um, so, I'm I'm going with Duval. Duval wasn't even in my top five options for this. <laughs> and you said Kike is the only not good non-lefty hitter. Did you forget about Justin Turner? Well, I mean, like, I mean, I think Turner will do fine. I mean, the second best con- contributor on the team, like, yeah, threat. I don't think feel. I don't think a Turner is a threat. Like. Duval, a guy who can hit 35 homers, I think of him as a threat. I think of Turner as a good hitter. I think Kike Hernandez, I think of him as a good hitter. But like you know, a guy who can jack one, jack two out uh, any game, like you know. Yeah, but he also might strike out five times in one game, though. That's also the problem. What? Might strike out five times in one game, though. That's the problem. Yeah, he might. A lot of lots of players do that these days. Uh. John, real quick, do you agree, disagree with either of those guys that Luke or Derek said that could possibly be number two to Rafael Devers? 
Uh, I mean, I'm hoping it's neither of those guys. Uh, I'm surprised no one said Kike Hernandez because. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I heard Adam Duvall's a bad teammate. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's the good Hunter Renfro. He's the good Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Uh, I would t- honestly, I'd take a wild card on Bobby Dahlbeck before saying Adam. Duvall. Shut your mouth. I'm muting you for Patrick. This is Pat. This one's for you. I'm muting Derek. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think my my pick honestly is Justin Turner. I think he's quietly going to be number two. You know, the last two. You know, in 2022 and 2021, he had. 80 plus RBIs for the Dodgers. You know, 80 RBIs is nothing to slouch about. You know, he gets hit. You don't need to hit home runs. You don't need to necessarily hit domer uh, doubles to drive in runs. You know, I'm shocked I, no one mentioned Casas or Masataka Yoshida. Neither of them have played a full season in the major league. So, and Barnes said Barnes said Turner could be number two. I think Josh Donaldson is going to be number two. In New York, the only he number is, he is a number two. There's no question that Josh Donaldson is a number two. I think we all know. does number two work for? <laughs> um, last call your shot. Uh, obviously, it's you know you're hearing this on March sixth. You know we're we're not even close to opening day. We don't really know what's going to happen. We're just trying to call your shot right now. Who do you think is going to lead the league in home runs? Real quick. Aaron Judge, 63. My man. Derek, Derek. you go first. No, oh, I, I, I was not ready for this. Um, Hold on. You don't have to give the number. Just say Aaron Judge, 64. No. No, I want to I make an educated guess. Uh, all right. Vladimir Guerrero, 47. 47, you think, is going to lead the league? Yeah, Judge isn't going to hit 60 again. Yeah, Ever. but but what I'm saying is you think that the league leader in 2023 is going to hit 47. Well, yeah, what was what did the league leader hit in 2021? Like I Schwarber mean, hit 46 last year and he was second. Okay. You know, I'm I'm going to go out I'm going out of left field here. I'm going on left field. I'm going out of left field from left field here. I'm going to I'm going to go with Christian Walker. He hit 36 last year. Does he even play left field? Because you said left field five times, and then you said okay. Christian Walker. Yeah. No, I, I said I'm pulling a pick out of left field. Like someone that played well, in uh, Fenway, because that's no. like Joe Asanyu said that's that's not 310. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to He had 36 last year. D-backs of the D-backs are, are good. I think he'll have a big part. And if they aren't good, I think he gets traded at the deadline to a team yeah. that's going to be good. Yeah, I, I think my guess is Jordan Alvarez, you know, I, you did a great video on Bleacher Brawl's YouTube, Derek, on Jordan Alvarez being the next big poppy type guy. You Luke know, was in that too. Uh, Luke also was featuring Luke. Christian Walker had 36, like you said, last year. He he did that on 583 at-bats where Alvarez did, had 37 on 470. You know, that's just where I think if he gets a full season, I, who knows what that guy could do. That um, guy could do anything. That guy might throw 200 innings if he puts his mind to it and in that video i named him i gave him the nickname that he should be using which is dead red alvarez dead dead red red dead red dead alvarez no dead dead red because we were looking at his uh his chart whatever you call that chart with his baseball savant yeah his baseball savant page and they were all dead red like all the way over on the right 
dead red and Derek was saying like oh is this dead red this dead red I'm like that's what they should call him dead red alvarez because yeah. he's air jordan right now and he's gonna get sued everything everything's like 95th percentile plus or higher it's like outrageous the guy's just a beast so yeah but you know kind of like looking into those numbers real quick like i said you know the reason my guess was Jordan Alvarez, 37 home runs, you know, based on his 2022 stats, 37 home runs on 470 at bats. You know, sometimes you can get caught looking up in stats, you know, so we're going to hit a little inside the numbers section right here. So I'm going to ask these guys, uh, what's your primary like go-to stat for judging hitters or pitchers? You know, Luke, this was actually your idea. So I'm going to let you go first and let you kick it off. Whatever Kike Hernandez succeeds at the most in whatever year. That's what I look at first. No, I'm old school. I'm 41 years old, so I'm half Pat's age, but I'm still, I consider myself more of an old school guy for hitters. I, I still look at the batting average, regardless of whatever new age fad stats come out. I want, it caught me crazy. Tell me the percentage of at bats where a guy will get a hit, <clears throat> will get a hit. And that's the that's what I want to know first. Walks are good. Walks are very good. But hits are even better because nobody's scoring from second on a walk. Nobody's going from first and third, from first to third on a walk, unless it's a wild pitch. Uh, I mean, it's it just your job as a hitter is to get a hit. So tell me how what percentage of the time a hitter is going to get a hit. Um, are we doing all doing hitters and then all doing pitchers? Or are we just doing both real quick? Uh, let's go all hitting stats and then we'll go all pitching stats. Just keep it all on the same topic. Cause that way we, if we have a little bit of discussion, we can, you know, cool. a little discrepancy, we can go there. Uh, Luke, who do you want to kick it over to? Let's hear from Derek. Let's make a gap between, let's make it as long as possible before John speaks again. <laughs> <laughs> let's make a filibuster. Oh yeah. Um, I'm actually going to go back and say my second option for the home run leader is Byron Buxton. If he stays healthy, I got to get that out there real quick. Because he hit 28 and like less than 400 plate appearances last year. Um, for hitting stats, um, I'm for me, it, it's got to be weighted runs created plus. It, I feel like it's the best stat trying to like, like taking into account everything and also takes into account park factor and all and all that stuff. And it adjusts it and 100 is league average, it's similar to OPS plus. Whereas, but OPS plus only takes the hitter's OPS and doesn't account for park factor and run environment and all the other stuff that WRC plus accounts for. Um, so if you're just looking at one stat, who's the better, who's who's the best hitter in baseball? Give me WRC plus. Give me way to have, you, have you ever seen the formula for calculating WRC plus? Yes, I have it. I actually have a screenshot of it. If you want, how many how many lines like how many lines of a page does it take to to list out that formula i don't know i have it on my i mean so like i have seven, i have a just i have seven, a paragraph eight. description of exactly what it is from fan graphs with the exact formula on it okay so so you need a paragraph to figure out what it means so it's meaningless in my opinion that's all of true. those new age stats i can't stand them especially the fielding stats i've talked about this plenty of times before but if you can't understand either the concept of the stat or the calculation, if you don't understand how it's calculated, if you can't tell somebody, hey, this is how you get uh, weighted run, if you, this stat, if you don't know it by heart, then you should not be looking at it as your primary go-to stat for anything. Because you don't, you don't know that it's accurate, that what kind of flaws are inherent within the calculation. The concept of the stat, though, is who's the best hitter? 
The better hitters right, have you, a higher WRC plus worse hitters have it. You know the concept, but you don't know the calculation. Well, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know the exactly. exact formula off the top of my head, but I don't have to use the, I don't have to actually use the formula to solve it. I can just go and look for the number. It's like everyone right, knows that, OPS is, you know, on base plus slugging, but that's just exactly. two numbers. But that's just so two numbers. Like oh, WRC takes, plus this, isn't this just into, two numbers though. Into consideration, so I know that it's reliable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like we said, Luke is trying to make a filibuster to keep John off the airtime. Now, I'm, <laughs> Derek, I'm going to start reading War and Peace in a second. <laughs> Derek, who do you want to hear from, me or John? I'll go to John. <laughs> no, go to Barnes. I don't want to talk. <laughs> well, yeah. oh, to take, I'm gonna take my microphone and go home. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a little bit like Luke, where I'm a little old school. Give me the batting average, but to be honest with, you, with, with where I'm at now, is I think I'm an OPS guy. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I love batting average, and I think that OPS was created because. General public can't fathom a number under 500 being good. <laughs> you just can't fathom. Oh, three point three 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 is good. Oh, that sounds like crap. Oh, let's create this thing where oh, we'll we'll put a one and then a decimal point, meaning it, it's better than the rest because everything else in baseball is a point and then numbers. So let's just put a one in front. That's why I think it was created. But um, the real reason I'm kind of here at it now is uh charlie blackman actually said it best in my opinion is if you're an on-base guy it accounts for that if you're a slugging guy it accounts for that if you can do both you get rewarded big time and then brandon nimmo from the mets said uh people get paid based on ops that's why i think it's really relevant you know i think if you you can look directly at ops numbers and then you can go oh this person got this contract kind of based on that you know, and then obviously with today's market, things are just ridiculous with money. But I think OPS is one of the big indicators, one of the numbers that I look at almost immediately now where I'm like, okay, how is this guy performing across the league? What's their contract look like? Like, that's almost the first thing. Brandon Nimmo, I don't know what his OPS was, but I think he got overpaid <laughs> according to his what his OPS was. OPS is cool, though. I don't have any problem with OPS. I can tell you what that... In two seconds, I can tell you what o- OPS is. Yeah. Can I ask o- you, Barnes? Are you talking? Are you including OPS plus in the OPS conversation? Because OPS plus is just no. I, I understand. Number. I understand. I'm. I don't include OPS plus because okay. I. I don't think, in my opinion, I don't like that it takes in ballpark factors. Whether fa- like, well, OPS like, plus doesn't. OPS plus doesn't. Or, or uh, OP. I like. Sorry, I like OPS because it keeps all that like. It, it's basically how you are doing in comparison to the rest of the league. Yeah, it really. No, is. yeah, that's what that's, I'm saying. That's 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 essentially I don't, I don't, OPS. Plus. I don't like plus. I don't necessarily like plus. I like OPS. You know, I think as soon as you start ad, advancing anything, it's just like okay, now you're it's just overkill. Now you're just okay. Uh, I I literally think that advanced stats were created because oh uh, well, we have this guy in our just stats department. Uh, he really just crushed. Uh. OPS, uh, let's just give him some more work to do because we're already paying him this much money on salary. Let's just make up a stat for him to make. Hey, make up a stat, dude. I think that's what they do with like. No, all well, these the other... reason I, I bring up OPS plus is just because OPS plus is just OPS, just a 
it's not even it's really just what's your OPS relative to league average and yeah. 100 OPS plus is league average. But I will say OPS plus and weighted runs created plus normally they end up they're similar for hitters. So it's, so it's rare where hitters have a big difference in their weighted runs created plus and like if a hitter has a 125 OPS plus his weighted runs created plus is normally 125 or 124 or 126. It's normally not that big of a difference. Uh, that's what I was going to say that they could be used interchangeably but I didn't want to pick two stats. Um so now I want to hear from Luke on the pitch. I'm just kidding. I, I want to hear from John on hitting stat. All right. <laughs> and Luke just turned his video off. I love it. So um, and since batting average was already taken, I'm going to take a stat that I take. I actually uh, value very highly. And I know the Yankees, Brian Cashman's baseball analytics nerds, value very highly just where I complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And that is strikeout rate. I want to know how often a hitter is putting a ball into play. The higher the strikeout rate to me, the worse the player. I, I want guys that are putting the ball into play. And obviously the Yankees look at strikeout rate and the more you're striking out for whatever reason, that seems to get valued more. So me and the Yankees both agree. This is a very, very important stat. Just I'm right when I say a lower strikeout rate is better, and they're idiots when they think a higher strikeout rate is better. And let's just stay there. You know, we're talking strikeouts leads us to pitching, you know, because pitchers are forcing those those strikeouts. So, John, I'm going to start with you because you got shunned into the last place, so you get to wrap around like in a, in a like in a fantasy draft as we're getting ready for fantasy baseball. Uh, so, John, give me a pitching set that you look at, you know, to help give you a gauge on pitchers. Uh, for me, it, I just went strikeout rate. Let's go walk rate. Uh, the more if if uh, the higher the more walks the pitcher gives up, to me that's a huge red flag. You don't want to be putting guys on base. Um, and I know like WHIP kind of takes into all of that, but I'm just going to focus right now specifically on walks because the more you're walking hitters, the more pitches you're throwing, the sooner you're coming out of games. It just it's a chain effect. It's one thing leads to another, to another, to another. Um, you know, more runners on base, more pitches you're throwing, more often they're seeing these pitches, more often it's going to be leading to hits and runs. So if a pitcher is walking too many guys, that's a huge red flag to me. And um, I'll throw it to Derek under the condition he throw it to Barnes next because I want to give it back to Luke. When he's <laughs> All right, Derek, you're up. Yeah, um, I have I'm a little bit weird with pitching because I feel like with hitting, like whether you use uh, weighted runs created plus or OPS plus, I feel like they're not like 100% perfect, but I'm confident in them like 99.9% of the time. With pitching stats, I kind of teeter totter on how good I feel about them. Um, I wrote I I'm like half and half between FIP and Sierra, but I'll go with FIP because it's easier to explain. Um, so FIP is fielding independent fielding independent pitching. It essentially takes into account what the pitcher has in their control and not what could be affected by the fielders in the field of play. Um, so it essentially measures how well you're striking guys out, how good, how good are you striking guys out? How good are you at limiting walks? How good are you at, and how good are you at limiting, giving up home runs? Essentially that's the basic gist of it. Right. And those are all three things that are important for pitchers. Can you strike guys out? Can you not walk guys and can you not give up home runs? Those are three important things and to have them put into one stat, I think is very useful. Is it perfect? No. Um, 
But for me, I'd probably lean towards FIP as my preferred pitching stat. And for Yankees fans, uh, Carlos Rodon did lead the MLB in FIP last year out of all qualified pitchers. So if Yankee fans want a little yippee for that, you know, there, there you go. There, there you go. It's simple as that. Yippee! Um, so I'm going to go so that way Luke can get the treatment too. Is When I'm looking at pitchers, John alluded to it, I look at whip. You know, just walks, hits per inning. You know, if you have a whip under one, you're going to have a lot of strikeouts and all that other stuff. You know, it's just, you know, I think ERA can get blown up a little bit, especially like for leaf pitchers, you know, strikeouts, who cares? I just need you to get out. I I, I like whip because it, it tells me how are, are you getting, are you giving up hits? Are you giving up walks? Oh, you're not great. It's a low number. Oh, you are. It's a big number. It's just really easy to read. You know what what happens after that? You know, hey, sometimes it uh, a ball bounces the right way. You know, and runs are going to get scored on it. Maybe they're not, but if you have a low whip, you're not putting yourself in that situation. So that's where I'm at with pitching stat, Luke. Uh, I'm old school again. ERA. You know, tell me it, the game's nine innings long. The point of pitching is to give up as few runs as possible. So tell me how many earned runs you will give up uh, every nine innings. And, you know, you just said, Barnes, that it's, you know, when somebody's ERA, especially relief pitchers, ERA can get blown up, you know, quickly, you know, one or two bad outings. Well, I mean, I feel like that stuff evens out over the course of the season. And I, I just feel like, you know, if you're talking about a whole season, even a month, even a month's work, you know, if you're a relief, even if you're the last relief pitcher on the team, you know, you're, you're going to pitch probably once or twice a week at least. So I don't think one bad outing is really going to shatter your ERA to the point where people are like, oh, geez, what is going on? And sure, if you're not watching that many games and you just pop in for the first time in two weeks and, uh, you know, it's April, it's April 28th and a relief pitcher's ERA is seven, then yeah, you may not then you may just be like, wow, this guy sucks. And he may not really, but I think over the course of the season, the, the bad outings will offset with the good outings. And you'll see, you look, you usually you can look at a pitcher's ERA and tell how good they are. So yeah. Old school again. Yeah. So kind of rounding out the, you know, this inside the numbers segment. And before we get to the next one, because our next segment is going to be our studs and duds of string training uh, we're, and we'll try to go th- rapid fire through that. We'll try to get that pretty quick is, you know, sometimes you, especially in spring training, you're looking for some of these key stats, you know, for these guys who may be trying to get onto the roster. Maybe they were brought into, you know, battle for a position and kick them out or, Hey, if you're crap, you're out. As Kasim says, he blows, you know, maybe we'll just insert that clip right here. He blows is, uh, but yeah, I mean, so you know, maybe you're looking at a couple of these stats that we brought up, you know, during spring training and, you know, who's a stud that may be like earning his way onto the team, the team roster this year for your team, you know? Uh, so Derek, I'll start with you, kick it off here. You know, one player who you is, you think has been a stud for Boston Red Sox spring training 2023. I'm going to go with Jaron Duran. I really like what he's doing. And I think also too, um, 
So I, I, I also want to bring this up. So Alex Verdugo and Jaron Duran had to do essentially a Mexico presentation. They're both playing for Mexico in the WBC. Uh, Alex Cora had to ask them to do a Mexico presentation for the team. And they eventually, they brought in a mariachi band and did a presentation on Mexico, whatever. But I also feel like Verdugo's taken Duran under his wing a little bit and is kind of, and he, I feel like them two are really, really tight. And then they're going to go play for Mexico. And it seems like Duran might be playing left field for Mexico. So you look at it and I'm starting to look at this. I'm like, you know what? Maybe Duran doesn't start every day in the big leagues, but maybe he can work his way onto the bench. And then once you get on the bench, you never know what can happen. Um, but I think that kind of connection with with Verdugo and then the fact he has a, if he has a success, successful WBC, I think that could really, really help him out in getting a roster spot. Luke, how about you? What, what are you seeing in spring training, you know, that you're really liking? Uh, my boy, Emmanuel Valdez. He has been crushing it in spring training. He's drawn Juan Soto comparisons, people. I mean, that's mostly just because he has a similar batting stance and swing as Juan Soto. But um, he's him and uh, Willier Abreu were the, the the prospects that the Red Sox got in the Christian Vasquez trade, trading to the Houston Astros. Um, I saw a couple clips of, him, of uh, Valdez's and uh, looked up his uh, statistics um, right after the trade, and I started to get uh, excited about him. So I feel like he's going to get the Red Sox. Uh, if he keeps up playing in spring training the way he has so far, he's going to have the Red Sox really wishing – um, they had a couple less left-handed bats because I don't see any way possible for him to make the opening day roster because the Red Sox have so many lefties already. Um, but he is so far, he's really making it hard for them, uh, to keep him, uh, in the minors, uh, once opening day comes around. So flipping over to the Yanks, John Yankees spring training, 2023, who's a guy who's earning their way onto this Yankees roster. Um, so I think much to the front uh, Yankees front office brass chagrin. Uh, I probably butchered the pronunciation there. There's a lot of hard words to say one right after another. But Anthony Volpe is off to a really, really good start. And I don't think the Yankees wanted to bring him up right away, but he's kind of forcing their hands, being so far offensively the best producing shortstop on their roster. Yeah, he, he's been off to a freaking phenomenal start. Who, and, you know, he's – Kasim said it in the midweek show. He's like, dude, he's going to be – he's hitting these home runs. You know, he said it about Dominguez. But Volpe just hit his first home run in spring training. Off a guy who's going to be bagging groceries, you know, from Major League 2. Uh, there you go. Thank you. you. Have, you're welcome. Is, uh, you know, I don't think he'll get brought up this year. I don't – I really don't. But, hey, if it happens, congrats. Uh but whatever my guy uh, who, you know, we've been talking about all off season Yankees left field, Willie Calhoun. And I really thought he was going to be a piece of crap. I was like, this guy, like, why are we bringing this guy in? But he's been six, he's six for 11 with three RBIs, two walks. He, I think he's got a home run in, in pre in spring training. And could he be the everyday left fielder for the Yankees? He's making it pretty hard. Not, you know, he's making it hard for the Yankees right now. And, uh, real quick, you know, I just said it. I look at OPS, OPS 1.524. You know, 
you look at his batting average, like Luke said, obviously it's six for 11. It's 545, you know? I, I, I don't know what you want me to tell you. He's just making – you look at the body of work that you have, he's been great. So – is there any scenario where Jason Dominguez is the uh, left fielder, the, no. the starting left fielder this no year? No chance. No, no shot. Yeah, you could also listen to the midweek show. You know, just scroll back a little bit uh, on your listening app of choice. Uh, we talk a little bit about that on that episode as well. Um, Jason looks good. Jason, yeah, exactly. You're, it's okay. You can butcher his name. It's fine. You're in last place. You can. That's what last place teams in the division do. They just butcher names. They try to get these low blows on the teams that are you know are doing well. Um, I think Jason and Ikif could both do really well this year. Listen, I think Ikif has had better numbers than the uh, leader for the Red Sox. But moving on, uh, who may have been, uh, you know, who's a guy on the roster who may have the team seeking another option, you know, for, you know, spring trade? Like, hey, you're clearly not what we thought you might be. We're going to either DFA you or try to work a trade for you. So let's just go in the same order. We'll start with Luke, Derek, John, and then me. Uh, James Paxton, uh, he was, I mean, supposedly it's not a big deal. Uh, he's He's pretty much fine, but. What he he got two batters out and then he came off the field and was kind of hobbling. He had a hamstring issue. I think it was a hamstring. And usually the hamstring guy is the guy who hasn't been working out the way he's supposed to be uh, in the off season. So if that's the case, it tells me he's not taking this nearly seriously enough because he's making four million dollars this year and he's that's really jack for uh, uh, an MLB player who used to be an ace, at least for one year, he was an ace. So, um, you know, he, he's gotta be, he, he should be doing the Aaron judge thing. It's his contract year. So he should be playing, you know, seven times better than he's ever played in his life. And uh, he's already coming off with um, bad conditioning injuries. Can I say that the Red Sox have had three hamstring injuries in like this week, in like the last like four days, Connor Wong, James Paxton, Willie Abreu. Oh, yeah. Mookie, Mookie Betts. And Connor Bello Wong. has forearm tightness, even though he says he's okay, but no. forearm tightness is forearm tightness. Well, he had forearm tightness. He doesn't have forearm tightness anymore, but they're just working him back slow. Moving on. Derek, a player that has been very underwhelming for Red Sox spring training 2023. Caleb Ort. And I think this is partially Caleb Ort struggling. But that pitching depth that I mentioned with the Red Sox, like that rotation, like I mentioned earlier, how I won through their AAA depth, a guy in their AAA depth who maybe could feature in the bullpen and take a guy's spot like a Caleb Ort is a guy like a Cutter Crawford who has been very good in spring training, pitched, started, and was in relief in MLB level last year. guy like Caleb Ort struggling. You know, I don't think – I don't think – I think – Ort's already kind of fighting for a roster spot and the, and the fact that he's struggling and there are other guys – like every Red Sox triple A pitcher that's like starting pitch triple A starter has been pitching a lights out this spring. So I think just any reliever that's struggling, you know, like a Caleb Ort, I think they're going to be in deep trouble for a roster spot. Which is good. He shouldn't be starting this year. He should be in the minors and Cutter Crawford should be taking any spot that would have been supposedly earmarked. Uh, Even Josh Winkowski's look good. I mean, he's yeah. looked really Yeah, good. they've all looked good. Yeah. Yeah, look out, Yankee fans. Yeah, and you know, if you listen to the other episode, all those guys are crap, according to John. And he's, <laughs> I don't want to say he's wrong, but he's not necessarily all right. Yeah, um, we're, but I was but talking about all the Red Sox starting the pitchers. Worst takes 
of anybody <laughs> who's ever played the game. Like, oh, Fenway parties are Wrigley's a dump. Fenway, he, I guess he probably thinks this isn't a dump. But he is, I don't know. One yeah, I was saying, Joe was saying, oh, all the pitchers are getting hurt. I was like, they got like eight starting pitchers. He's like, yeah, they all suck. Yeah, I, I heard Winkowski also thinks that chili is crap that the, that Joey was talking about. But moving on, uh, John, who's a player in Yankee spring training that you're like, uh, the Yankees are going to do something with this guy? So I went bulky for the guy earning a spot. We're going to have to go to for his counterpart. Oswald Peraza is the guy that's losing a spot. Uh, he really hasn't done much so far in spring training, and he really needs to come out and have a good spring training. If they want, if he wants to be an everyday starter, you know, you really kind of have to prove it and earn it at that young age. And the fact that he hasn't done it is kind of just a sign that maybe it's just another Yankees prospect that blows. Listen, like all of them, all all of them <laughs> blow. And Cassim, if you're listening out there, this He's is my not. no way. Cassim listens to this. <laughs> this is my this is my apology. <laughs> Because I've been saying that we got to give this guy a shot if he has a good spring training. And he is not. He just truly blows. And he will be joining the Pittsburgh Pirates after he gets DFA'd is Estevan Florial, who is two for 12 with five strikeouts. He is crap. He has no other options. Like, he, he just has to get cut loose after this. He can't go back to the minors or anything. He's just... Uh, I think the Yankees screwed him up and he'll go to the Pirates and he'll have a pretty mediocre career because he's going to join Andujar and they're going to be buddies and be like, ah, yeah, New York's a dump, just like Winkowski said or something, something like that. But I heard Florio's going to sign with the Red Sox and be their team leader because he had like a really good three weeks in uh, last year. And everybody respects that. Yeah, uh, he's got Continue heart. Continue to disrespect Kike Hernandez 2021. Go right ahead. And you think his Casim yeah, ended in losing the ALCS. It was not a World Series. With with Casim feels every Yankee prospect blows, yet he won't give up. He yet he feels like a package of six of them, giving up like six of them, um, should be uh is too much. Uh, for Corbin Burns, and he wouldn't give up like six Yankee prospects for Corbin Burns unless the Brewers threw in Willie Adames and Devin Williams as well. Yeah, yeah, Cassim, you gotta whatever. This is a topic for another time. Um, so that'll that'll round out the show. Uh, Derek's got a special announcement. He's literally giddy. Yes, is, I is am. It, this is the first time I've ever seen this kid smile, ever. If that says anything to do with soccer, I'm leaving. It does not. I'll, don't worry, I'll just edit it out of the episode. Anyway, Derek, All you right. have the floor. All right, I'll ask everyone. If you're getting a breakfast sandwich and it has egg and cheese, what do you want on it, bacon or sausage? Sausage. sausage. I want Taylor ham. What do you think Aaron Judge wants on his sandwich? Probably nothing. Probably just I'm tastes egg and cheese. Sausage. All right, well, I think you're wrong because Aaron Judge last year – Led the MLB with a 443 batting average on contact, and batting average on contact is abbreviated as bacon. So Aaron Judge had a 443 bacon last year. Nice, nice. Led the league hey. in bacon. He waited an hour and a half for that. <laughs> he, so oh, oh my <laughs> word. All right. Anyway, um, you know what? Um <laughs> to wrap up, 
Uh, John, Luke, do you guys have anything besides a weird bacon stat? I got, I got nothing. Uh, PK Thank for God. president. Thank God you got nothing. All right, John, anything? Uh, I don't know. Something negative about PK Hernandez. <laughs> I can't think of anything off the top of my head. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Share with a friend. All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter. I'm not a big pickle guy.